0: conversation on the new flagship
1: home of the Sox 720 WGN White Sox weekly 720 WGN my name is Mark Carmen with you for an hour for White Sox Weekly. Two hours the beat. Biggest Bears game in the history of the Bears. Tomorrow night against the Minnesota Vikings. Earl Bennett will be in studio. Former Bears receiver. We've we'll be got this at five o'clock today. Full White Sox Weekly for you. Farmio is out in California. If you missed him on Bill and Wendy this week, you're going to hear him here. As uh, Yeah, Ed had some scares with the fires out there. And uh, Ron Kittle is going to be on the program today as a tribute to what's going on with Harold Baines. I have another Harold with me. Good afternoon, Harry. Uh,
2: Technically not a Harold, a
1: Harry. Just no Harold at all?
2: Right, ain't had a Willie or a Sam. No, my dad's dad was Harry,
1: so I am Harry. Your dad's dad was Harry? Mm Mm-hmm. That's a great memory right there. For, just just to bring it all in. So you were named after your father's I father. I was. That's I a wonderful saying.
2: How are you, Harry? I'm good. And when my uh, grandma passed away, Grandma Choo Choo, when she passed away, um, uh, I was really upset, and I was like 12 years old, and I was kicking at the snow right next to her cemetery. And it was snow snow all over, and I kicked off the snow on the uh, on the gravestone next to hers. And it said, here lies Harry Tynowitz.
1: Which will freak a 12-year-old out when you see that that you're dead. That's a rough moment right there. Right.
2: So some people look at my life and go, man, did he mess
1: up? But I kind of
2: look like everything after 12 was
1: great. So I'm assuming you never met the original Harry Tynowicz. No, I didn't. And the Jewish
2: people can't name for someone still alive.
1: Right, right. 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 That's the thing. But
2: sometimes people break the rules. Right. I almost did with Lucy, but I'm glad I didn't. Uh, Well, (laughs) she's a
1: Lucy. Right, right, right. And and Choo Choo, that's... uh...
2: Grandma Choo Choo. So when my sister Nancy was young... She was saying goodbye to my grandma Olga, who had stayed at her house for a couple of days, and and she was on the train. And she said bye bye grandma, bye bye choo choo, bye bye grandma choo choo, and it stuck. Ah, uh, that's adorable. Mm hmm. Kind of like my um, uh, scarecrow stuck with you when that night that you scored 33 points. In the intramural game at Iowa?
1: I don't know what you're referencing right there. I I, I did have a great intramural team back in the day, Harry. Windy, yeah? Windy Hill, appropriate name for the, the street that Michael Jordan used to live on. You named on. That's a true story. How pathetic is that? I think it's great and not pathetic. In fact, it's extraordinary and special. Uh-huh. So, And by the way, I had dinner last night, Harry, at Mike at Michael Jordan's uh, new steakhouse out in, out in Oak Brook. How is that? The pictures were incredible. Did <laughs> <laughs> you didn't eat? Uh, I, we had a we had a, I had a little salmon something. The food was uh, fine. Well, so you went to a steakhouse and you ordered fish. Yeah, I don't. I'm and down. What city are you from? Well, I had, where do
2: you live? See, ordered or, fish. So I went to the Michael Dan Long executive producer. Do you have like a wah 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 sound effect for him?
1: I don't think that that's a wah wah wah. There there's a reason. There are other things on the menu at a steakhouse. Yeah, but I, was, I wasn't I was planning on going to a steakhouse. I was going mm-hmm. to see my good friend out there he wanted to go to, to MJ's. I said, right. that's, that's great. But I wasn't going to just flip into a steakhouse. Okay, I, I was at... <laughs>
2: thank yes. you. I was at Chicago Cut, and, and uh, someone at my table got sea bass. Yeah. But, dude... You go, to, you go to a steakhouse, you get steak. That's the way, that's the way America works.
1: That's the way you live your life. You're a rules follower. You're a guy. Rules follower? You're a dot the I cross the T. No, guy.
2: here's another way, here's another expression besides rules follower. I'm not a moron.
1: Oh, see, that's just that's just harsh and unfair. Why can't a guy get a piece of fish at a steakhouse? I'm waiting for you to say, "Oh, I had the New York Strip.
2: I had the bone in. You know, I had the porterhouse. I had the filet mignon." I'm sorry to disappoint. you. Came at me with, "I had the salmon."
1: Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Is it okay to get a piece of fish at a steakhouse as we start White Sox weekly? Give the gift of White Sox. To honor Steve Trout. The, well, there you go. That's a, that very good. Nice job, Harry. Thank you. Other pitchers' names uh, or face or hitters with uh, last names that uh, fish related fish related yes.
2: um i'm not gonna have a lot of white socks, but i can do it uh, kevin bass a former astro
1: very good um tim you, salmon tim salmon angel yeah
2: yes yeah very good um his uh brother's good friends with john hollisack did i say john hollisack That's how loyola won that how loyola is going to the state championship again
1: high school football it's it's a beautiful thing in the snow great weather for it. hey give the gift of white sox baseball this holiday season holiday packs are on sale now For just $35, each order includes ticket vouchers, which are redeemable for 76 home games in 2019. Uh, you also- How many? Well, you can use them for any of 76 games. Nice! Any of 76. but, you know, so there's a couple premiums there. I'm assuming those are the Cubs games and whatever else, the opening day. And I'm trying to give Harry a piece of paper. Uh, uh, the you know. fifth try, he made it the whole well, foot and you, a you half. Well, you, 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 there was no effort. You were, you were not going to reach an elf. No effort. I'm surrounded by, by screens. Okay. Uh, each order includes ticket about 76 games, uh, along with an exclusive White Sox Elf on the shelf ornament. Harry Chappis. Uh, elf on the shelf. I don't know. Uh, for more information and to purchase your holiday packs, visit com today. You know, I want you to visualize this, White Sox
2: fans. It's Christmas morning mm-hmm. or it's Hanukkah night and people are getting gifts. And you hand them this envelope with White Sox tickets. And on a cold, snowy holiday, they will envision being on the south side as the renaissance is occurring with the pale Hose. That's a beautiful thing right there. Mm-hmm. Hey, visit the White Sox Pop-Up Shop at Orland Square Mall now through January 15th. Conveniently located next to the Apple Store, fans can shop stadium exclusives and special promotions throughout the holidays and off-season. For more information and promotion schedule, follow the at White Sox store on Instagram.
1: 312-981-7200 is the phone number. If you want to jump in on White Sox Weekly, you are more than welcome to a quick uh, Congratulations to the Northwestern Wildcats who beat Minnesota today 24 They won again? They won again. The Golden Gophers were favored in that game. Yeah, what? Sh- shame on you, Las Vegas. That is a disrespect to the Wildcats. Not Vegas, actually. Shame on you that no one is giving Northwestern any respect. Uh, Dave Ennett, great tweet by our sports director and voice of your cats. The 1995-96 Northwestern football teams went 15-1 and in the Big Ten over two seasons, this team can actually match that 16 game stretch with a win over Illinois next week. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Uh, so congrats to the Wildcats, which was heard on the station earlier today. Mike and Byron, you want to talk some White Sox? Welcome to 720 WGN. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I just, uh, I noticed the White Sox are in contention
3: for Bryce Hopper. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Machado. Mm hmm. Uh, possibly for this year, but wouldn't it be wise, you know, with Colpac being out do it in twenty twenty instead of this year?
2: Well, those are you're talking about two generational players. You're talking about two players that can change the face of it will become the face of a franchise and can change the destiny of that franchise.
1: Mike, let me dissect what he just said there. Are you saying that you don't believe in the long term of Harper and Machado? I don't believe they're
0: a really good fit for this team right now. Why not? I believe, I believe that they should concentrate on pitching.
1: Uh huh. Well. To
0: to get them in contention for 2020.
1: I see. I don't, I don't follow, you know, when you have a Bray who's going to be up in contract for what, another two years? He's got one more year on his deal, Mike. Once, okay. once the White Sox pick that up, Yep, Go ahead.
3: I, I know they, I know they have a lot of money to spend, but as a White Sox fan, yeah, I, I believe in the farm system and what you know they're doing. Okay,
1: uh, I got you, Mike. We're up, we're up against the clock a little bit here,
2: Harry pitching? Well, pitching, they are interested. Uh, we, we talked about J.P. Morosi's story from last week. They're looking at Patrick Corbin, who is... An, Matt Davidson raves about Patrick Corbin. He, he's a terrific top-of-the-rotation pitcher with the Diamondbacks. They're also looking at J.A. Happ, who went to Northwestern with Carm. And J.A. Happ was on the Blue Jays last year, made the All-Star team, then traded to the Yankees. So J.A. Happ is going to be like less money, more of a uh, James Shields kind of mentor role. And Patrick Corbin's a guy that with him and Rondon, you can go get him.
1: Patrick Corbin had a great year last year with the Diamondbacks. I I think you look, the White Sox could add pitch. They are gonna add pitching in the starting rotation and in the bullpen. And getting a generational type of player like Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. Personally, I wouldn't do it. You're gonna be spending, well, you know, Bryce Harper's already turned down ten years three. $100 million. Well, no, that's, that's more money than Cochrane makes. Right. I'm not a math major, but I'm pretty sure that that's $30 million a year over 10 years. Those deals never end up well. So I wouldn't do it, but I get the excitement around doing it. Uh, you know, that's a big statement. We got Bryce Harper. We get to watch him for the next 10 years. Come on out to the ballpark, and we're going to win some games. But I'd be more apt to uh, make a... More economical sense type of play. And if you're following Bryce
2: Harper on Twitter, he's talking about how much he loves to come eat in Chicago. So that is going to bode well
1: for one of the teams here. Well, that's true. Well, I don't think it's going to bode well for either team. I don't think he's coming here. Do you? I think there's a chance he can come here. Absolutely. Well, chance, sure. But if you had a bet on it, that's Phillies, no, okay, right? Phillies you... are the favorite right. for Harper. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think he's coming here, do you? I, I don't. No, but there's a chance. Well, there's always a chance. There's a chance that I could play for the Sox this year. What do you think?
2: Um, like, sure, if I go to sure. Fantasy camp. Is it like Is it like the uh, tennis league? year the tennis tournament you're in at the East Bank Club. Do they have like an over forty? Had a big White uh, Sox.
1: Had a big uh, hit around this morning with Chelsea on the tennis court. Hey, uh, John. <laughs> it was just great, John in Riverside. Live your dream. Welcome to White Sox Weekly.
0: Mark Harry, how are you?
1: Excellent.
0: Great show as always. Uh, with uh, you know, you know, I think one of the interesting things about, uh, I mean, I mean, this, this possibility, and I mean, besides the talent aspect of either Harper or Machado, but I think especially in terms of Bryce Harper, I, I think the thing that people probably can't, you know, you, you can't really uh, put enough value on is the fact that he, he's one of the faces of the game, and if and if he came to the White Sox, what. Marketing potential and visibility there would be um, just by bringing either one of them aboard, but especially Bryce Harper, who who really is a, a megastar um, in sports and, and not just not just the game. And 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 if that costs a little bit more than you know what would seem to be reasonable, um, there's there's additional value with that. Sure, and you know, and it seems like the White Sox that you know. Are young and, and still are kind of looking for an identity. I, I think, I think it makes a lot of sense.
1: So, John, how often do you go out to the park?
0: Ten, fifteen times a year.
1: Okay, so you're a diehard. Good man. Yeah, that's a that's a good level of commitment right there, John. So, do you think you'd up your attendance if Bryce Harper was there? Yeah. Okay, by how much?
0: Um, I mean, I mean, and I, and I still would understand. I mean, if 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 somehow this did happen, and I, and I still think it's a it's a major long shot. I mean, next year is still a building year, but you know, because he's twenty six years old. You know, and he's going to still be an outstanding player in their window, which which you know really should begin in a couple of years. Um,
2: now you're sounding like a baseball executive in their window. <laughs> it's,
0: it's, you know, I mean that's the, I mean that's the fun part about it. I mean this is not Albert Pujols at 31, 32. That's you know? true. I mean, that's true. I mean either one of those guys are, are are very young, and yes, it's a huge amount of money, and it's not my money, but. Um, you know, you look at the overall value of either one, but I think especially Bryce Harper just because of, of his stature um, that, that he's, he's developed. I, I, I think there's just there's so much more value than just um, even, you know, the, the offensive and, and defensive production that he brings.
2: There's a, there's a good chance that those guys could be Albert Pujols in, later in the contract.
1: Right. He, look, he's in his prime. You would think that he's got a good five, six, seven years left of high productivity. And he's right that th- that mm-hmm. is a big stamping face of the franchise, huge moment in time where Bryce Harpers or Manny Machado or whoever say, I'm, I am betting on Rick Hahn, Ricky Renteria, Jerry Reinsdorf, mm-hmm. Brooks Boyer. I'll keep on going. Scott Reifert, what they're Bob doing. Bob Grimm. Bob Grimm, absolutely. Uh, Andy the clown. Andy the clown. Sure. But, uh, at the end of the day, the fans are going to come out if you win. They're they're not they're not going. But you have a much better chance of winning. Yes, he should help you win too. But you're also talking about, you know, how do you play out your payroll all the way down the line and who you, and and is does it, and there's a lot of there's a lot of questions. I think the White Sox are in there. I think they're absolutely going to try to get Bryce Harper. I think they're absolutely going to try to get Manny Machado. I think they will be in the conversation. You know the difference between the two of them.
2: Uh, there's lots of differences. Right? Well, right. But obviously, there's lots of differences. But but I mean, the main difference is the Sox have looks like a, a tremendous crop of uh, of outfielders. Yep, that's coming true. up. Whereas there's not like the the, the third baseman for sure that's going to be great. Machado is also a much better defensive player than Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's like below average in the outfield. Manny Machado at third, is, forget about him in short. Manny Machado at third is Chato, a, third's a stud.
1: Yeah, no, he's he's a very good third baseman that wants to play shortstop. That doesn't hustle. I wouldn't give him the money. No chance. But uh, we'll see what happens at some point here. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I'll share something about, that I learned about the Machado Harper thing coming on back here. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, inside poop. A little inside scooper, scooper. I, and uh, I think we're gonna try to catch up with Farmio two seven twenty WGN. WGN White Sox Weekly, Ron Kittle coming up, at Farmer coming up in the 4.30 to 5 o'clock spread. And then uh, Earl Bennett will be with us to kick off the beat at 5 o'clock. Can you give me the jersey number for an Earl Bennett? That is a 80.
2: Yes, you're correct, it's 80. You are a big
1: old Bennett fan. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, Harry. Uh, ever dream of being a White Sox player? Now is your chance. You can attend the Chicago White Sox Fantasy Camp in Glendale, Arizona, January 13th to the 19th, and be treated like a pro. For camp info, call 623-302-5002, or you can sign up via whitesox.com. 3129817200. All right, let me give you my quick tidbit here on Bryce Harper and Manny Machado how this is, I think is going to go. Okay. Um, well, Bryce Harper is represented by Scott Boris. I heard of him. Scott Boris, super agent, very talented guy. Mm-hmm. I just call him the spider. Also can be considered a bit of a pain in the ass every now and then by some, but uh I don't see a scenario where Riccom
2: sits at the same table with the Scott Boras.
1: Not to, no, I think they will sit at the same table, but I don't think that he will allow Harper to get signed before Machado. There's no way he's going to let much like, at some point, where Harper gets this, and then Machado tops him. I think he's gonna to wanna to see what Machado gets, whenever that is, try to build up, build up, build up, build up, and then, he'll, I think, then Harper will go.
2: So if somebody offered Bryce Harper 300 million, Already hold happened. on, hold on, yeah, yeah. let's say... 350? 350 million dollars, uh-huh. 35 million a year. I still think he waits.
1: I mean, I don't think anyone's gonna do that, so... But I I, I if I would bet a large sum of money, at least the $3 in my wallet, that Machado signs first. You think that makes sense? Yeah, where are we going with that $3? I, I think maybe we can go downstairs, maybe take an Uber ride. Uh, oh, yeah. Go like six blocks. We can s- go to Fannie Mae and a quarter and split a chocolate cherry. A half a cherry. that amazing. Happen. All
2: right. Uh, hey, uh, let's... Start. Wasn't that your first album?
1: Half a cherry? mm mm-hmm. Mm, I've never had an album, Harry. What? I, I haven't. I, I don't know. Not even on fan-sided? Uh, not, not even on fan-sided. Hey, uh, let's uh, let's get you in the news, and then we'll talk to Ron Kittle coming up after four thirty seven twenty 720
0: WGN. It's great to be back with WGN. It's White Sox Weekly on the official radio station of the Chicago White Sox,
1: 720 WGN. 7.20 WGN, White Sox Weekly, till the top of the hour. Mark Carman and Harry Tynowitz with you. What do you remember about the uh, 83
2: White Sox there, Harry? The 83 White Sox were awesome, Carmen It was a very exciting time to be a Southside fan. They had uh, the Bull. They had uh, Steve Kemp. They had Lamar, Dewey Hoyt, Britt Burns, Richard Dotson. Who's your favorite player? 42. Ron Kittle. I went to see the Sox play the Twins one night. Ron Kittle hit a ball so hard and so far, it didn't land on the roof. It went over the roof. In fact, you know how they track Santa Claus on Christmas Eve? They say Santa's now over Norway, or Santa's now over Cherry Hill, New Jersey. They tracked Ron Kittle's ball for seven months.
1: I don't think they ever actually found it. It was it was long gone. Uh, Ron Kittle, is that enough of a nice, solid love fair? You know what? Hey, I needed a good giggle, and that
3: was a good one. I appreciate that,
2: I I am the uh, I'm in charge of giggles at
1: WGN. Kitty, it's great to talk to you. It, uh, we're we're here today to trump for Harold Baines. So not say Trump. Uh, my bad. I apologize. Uh, Harold is one of six players who's on the 10-man ballot. For the Baseball Hall of Fame today's Game Era Committee. So this is there's a new committee that is out there. You need to get 75% of the vote. There are six players and four manager and or owners. There's Baines, Albert Bell, of course, former White Sox himself. We're not gonna we're not gonna tell you about him though. Joey, you've got George Steinbrenner, which to me absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame. Come on, Lou Pinella, Davey Johnson, Charlie Manuel. And other former players: Lee Smith, Will Clark, Oral Hershiser, and Joe Carter, along with Harold Baines. Uh, Harold Baines, you, you know him fairly well, Kitty. He had an unbelievable 20, 22-year career, 2,866 hits. Uh, which, if there wasn't a couple of strikes, he probably has over 3,000. Uh, but for whatever reason, he never garnered a lot of votes when he was on the original ballot. What, what, how do we get how do we get Harold in there? What would you say if somebody came up to you?
3: Well, I, I tell you what. I mean, besides being a, a personal friend of his and a teammate, uh, the, the man is a class act, uh, well deserving of a Hall of Fame. Not, uh, I mean, definitely he should be there. I thought he should have been picked. Uh, was it two years ago or last year when they were doing another ballot? such as that, and uh, you know what? He was, he was like a, a quiet uh, quiet leader. He didn't say much. Everybody knew he didn't talk. I mean, I've known him since 78, and he didn't talk then either. But uh, he, he went out there and did his stuff daily. Uh, he was a weapon at home plate, and he just kept getting better and better. Uh, I, I've told him many times uh, he was only so many hits shy of uh, 3,000. I would give him my hits to make it 3,000 but that would probably only leave me with about seven hits. <laughs> uh, he's such a good friend and well-deserving uh, of it. And there's people in the Hall of Fame that I don't believe they should be in the Hall of Fame either, but I'm not going to sit there and elaborate on that.
1: You, know, you can if you want. If will, I, I'm assuming we're talking, uh, we're talking performance enhancement, or what are we talking? Well, you know, I'm talking a little bit of everything. Uh, it's You know,
3: there's stats in different positions out there. I mean, you got Billy Pierce. You know, uh, and Minnie Mendoza, who have some wonderful numbers. Bruce Cowan, who played. You know, I'm not picking on anybody who's in the Hall of Fame. It's a great honor. Uh, but, you know, when you're looking at day-to-day in and out, Will Clark was uh, very successful. Oral Hershiser, Lee Smith. I mean, those guys are the beast. Lee Smith would throw three, four innings, uh, to get a save or maybe even take a loss. But, uh, you know, we're talking about HB, played a lot, couple injuries, played on a few teams, uh, just a key component of every team he's ever played on. So if you would take him out of the equation, all those teams would really do horrible. But with him, it's just an added, uh, positive, uh, player on the team. A, a great hitter.
1: Lee Smith should be in the Hall of Fame just for the way he walked in from the bullpen. Yeah. Lee Arthur Smith, he's awesome. Uh, You know what?
3: He, it, it is. And I, I mean, I'm a friend of his too. I, big, big man. Uh, he did his job. But, you know, things have changed a lot out there. But, uh, yeah, I like to see all the good guys who played hard uh, and are nice guys go to the Hall of Fame, and Harold's right up on the top of the list.
2: You know, Harold Baines, you you had such a great offensive club in '83, and and I'm not you know knocking anybody, but Harold was your best hitter. You you could argue that in the history of the White Sox maybe the, the the greatest, you know, um, left-handed hitter of all time
3: is Harold, and the greatest right-handed hitter of all time, if it's not you, is Frank. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I tell I, I, you, know, every time when Harold would come to bat, it was a situation, uh, but, you know, he never took a pitch. I think he walked like six times, and maybe <laughs> five of them were intentional. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he was up there to hit the ball and hit it hard. You know, and I I, I was through the minor leagues with him, and, you know, I saw his progression. You know, I saw him where he would hit him 1,000 fly balls in the morning, and he'd catch five, and all of a sudden, he just kept getting better and better, but I tell you what, when you put a piece of wood in his hand, he was hitting the ball all over the place, Uh, and and he learned, you know, and I wanted him up in a key situation. Uh, I would pick him more than Frank Thomas in a key situation at home play uh, during their playing days. That's how confident he was and a good chance to drive in the ball. Tell, tell,
1: Elaborate on that. Why would you pick Harold over Frank?
3: Uh, Frank was kind of a little bit uh, too selective on sometimes. You know, I was teammates with Frank and, you know, there was a man at... Uh, first and third situation and he's looking to take a walk and i used to yell at him all the time i said frank break a bat hit <laughs> the other way get an rbi we don't need you to walk you know that, that's not going to win a ball game and it, it, that's absolutely true everybody would say that but uh yeah. you know he had such a great high eye at, uh, at home plate uh he was just so big i think the umpires were scared of him <laughs> you know, i think that's <laughs> logically what was going on but you know harold wasn't afraid to swing the bat and uh you know, early days, he had a great arm in the outfield. He was a good outfielder. But, you know, knee injuries kind of slowed him down a little bit. And uh, I don't know if I have to take a ballot in here. Uh, I'm picking Harold Baines and possibly Lee Smith for a vote for the Hall of Fame.
2: You know, Kitty, one way to look at this is that Jerry Reinsdorf retired Harold Baines's number while he was still active. He put three up on the wall at um, the cell.
3: Well, yeah, I mean that's pretty positive. I thought that was uh, a good excuse to, uh, you know, calm the fans down after after getting rid of them. But uh, you know what, he is—he uh, was traded three times, uh, just like me. We were both brought back three different times. Uh, Harold's got a statue; I got like twenty of them around the ballpark, and all of my, mine make us sound like flushing noises. You know, unfortunately. <laughs> but, <laughs> but hey, I'm I'm on the side of Harold Baines out there. Uh, he couldn't ask for a better person. I told him if he did get it, uh, he better not change because I'd be coming after him. Because the two guys have gotten to the Hall of Fame, they've let it go to their head. Uh, and, you know, they weren't friendly people to begin with, but uh, now they're even less friendly. Who are we
1: referencing? Uh, you got you how long is this show? <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, uh, Kitty, uh, run Kittle with us here on 720 W. Jen. one more question on Harold. Yeah, he played about 60% of his time, roughly, at DH. Do you think that hurts him, as far as people consider Uh, him? You know, possibly. uh,
3: But, you know, injury took him to the uh, the DH spot out there. You know, like another candidate, Kirby Bucket, you know, they gave him a Hall of Fame nod. I mean, he played 10 years. You know, obviously, he passed. Great guy. You know, fabulous, good guy. But what happened, he would have stunk the next 10 years of his life. You know, you're just giving him something... uh, because you assumed that he was going to do good out there. You know, impact players like that. But, uh, you know, anytime uh, anybody that played with Harold uh, loved him, would love to have him on his team uh, forever. Yeah, and the Kirby Puckett played at
2: Triton College. Hey, Kitty, there's a story that I've heard for years that Bill Veck, when he was in Baltimore, found Harold Baines when Harold was playing like you know, with some friends, and he hit a home run into his backyard or something like that. Is that. Does, as far as you know, does that story have any merit?
3: Well, I knew Bill Beck, uh, of what I was told and I've heard, is he was around that vicinity out there, and they talked to him. Uh, his friends saw Harold Baines play and said, this is a kid who's got some potential, and he, it was a young age. yeah like, uh, like he was, like, 12 years old. Yeah, he was a young kid. I mean, everybody's, uh, you know, I'm sure the Stout's down in He's, uh, you know, Dominican and Venezuelan now are looking for kids at that too. But, you know, Bill Vetgoy's had a, a keen eye for somebody, and, uh, the White Sox were lucky to have him for so long, for long
1: age. Ron Kittle, great to hear from you. Great to talk to you. Uh, and anything special going on this winter you want to promote? Get out there? Uh, you know, we got that trip coming up, Sox
3: on the Beach, uh, December 9th to the 16th. That's kind of cool. Uh, got some great players going along. Uh, it'll be a great week. Uh, better than today obviously but uh, it'll be 82. Where, where's the trip to uh, cancun the grand mayan at cancun and uh cool. yeah okay, right on the got- resort you got Jimmy anderson uh Yomar sanchez going uh nikki delmonico and myself we're going down there to have a great time and uh talk some baseball and uh, smoke cigars and drink some night dives.
2: That, that sounds awful. Um, and and <laughs> fans, fans get to hang out with you guys. I mean there's a chance to, to, you know, it's not like, hey, I, I bumped in a Kittle or a Yomer and they signed the autographs. They can hang out with you.
3: Absolutely. You know, we're in there. I eat breakfast in shifts. Like, <laughs> so I get to see everybody. I'm usually, I'm usually the first one in there and uh, set up the coffee for somebody and, uh, you know, then we just lay out the pool. We got a couple scheduled uh, events that we do, q and some contests. But, uh, yeah, we're all on the same resort. You're going to see everybody throughout the whole week. And, uh, it's, it's just a good time to, uh, enjoy the
1: weather before, uh, and a vacation before Christmas. Ron Kittle, great to talk to you. Enjoy your vacation. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. 720 WGN, 608. Hope you're having a great Saturday. About to talk to Ed Farmer. Farmio is going to be with us. Uh, just absolutely incredible story with Farmio out in California this week. Scary stuff uh, with the fires, and Farmio uh, in some danger, but was able to get out. Also, uh, after 6.30, we're going to talk to Ed. Edzo, Eddie Olchek, will be with us. It's uh, one more shift tomorrow for Edzo at the UC, which is sweet. and It's also Hockey Fights Cancer Night, so Edzo's going to be with us at 6.35. Let's bring in Farmio on 720 WGN. Ed Farmer, we are happy you are alive, sir. I'm sure you are as well. (laughs) You know, you
4: really don't realize what's going on at the time, you know, and uh, watch the fires uh, uh, Thursday night. They were going uh, uh, north towards Arkansas, California, and um, went to sleep and woke up the next morning. My daughter came in, and she goes, Dad, you better wake up. The fire has turned, and I looked, and it was about, I don't know, three miles away. It was more towards John Garland's house than it was to ours. And uh, he was about 10, 15, maybe 10, 12 minutes away from me. And uh, I called him to see if he was okay. He goes, yes, heading your way. I went, okay. So all of a sudden, I went went down Malibu Canyon Road, towards Malibu and went about a mile just north of us. But it was moving pretty good. And I turned and I told told my wife, Barbara, I said, I'm a little suspicious of the crowd crowd to our right. You just don't know where that thing's going. We watched it. Nobody talked about it. About uh, 1230, I said, well, we should pack a bag for everybody. Each one of us got uh, different things they needed. We thought were important, you know, and put them in the uh, car. And I uh, didn't hear anything, and 1 o'clock comes, and about 1.05, the power stops in our house. And I go, well, what's going on here? This, you know. So I go out, and I, I want to make sure we can get the cars out of the garage, so I disconnected the, the uh, door chain. And uh, about 1.15, I decided, let's go. It's time to go. It's getting darker. Let's go. So I open the door, and I'm greeted by a uh, fire chief right at the door. Uh, I can't say anything about these people. Uh, the police, the fire department, all over the country. They're just, they put their life on our line for us every single day. No more at this point. And he said to me, what are you doing here? I said, well, nobody came to tell us that we're under siege with fire. I said, how close is it? He goes, look up. And I look up, and there's a flame over my, head, 15 feet over my head. And I, you know, I go, that flame's close. He goes, you need to go right now. I said, well, my wife 'Don't, no, no, you need. no, I'm not letting it without out him. So uh, we pull out the two cars, can't see down the little road uh, where we live. It's only about 100 yards before we get to main drag to take us to the 101 freeway. There's a CHP there. When we get down, can't see him real well because of the smoke. Gets us on the uh, freeway. We have to dodge it. Power line is down. And there's fire all around us. And just, (laughs) just reacting like this is normal, not panicking. As we're going up the hill, we see the devastation of what uh, took place before the flame got to our house. And about a mile from where we were going to pull in, uh, it stopped. There was blue skies, and there was no wind or anything. We pulled in and parked in this uh, parking lot with the two cars. And uh, um, a guy came by that knew uh, me from Chicago for some reason. He saw the Illinois plates on our car, and uh, he said, where do you live? I work for the... Uh, for the fire department, I just moved here about a year ago, and I said this is where we live. Because he goes down there and checks out my house, like about four o'clock, he goes, "I don't know how it didn't hit your house, but you don't have any damage." So um, we stayed that night in the cars. There were over forty-five thousand people displaced. I think they said it was two hundred eighty-acre brush fire, but you, you look at the devastation of the hills, guys. And it is overwhelming, because it's just not like a little path to fire. This thing destroyed everything. Anything in its wake, it was, it was gone. And I don't think Malibu's open yet. And that's that's about six miles down the street. Uh-huh. There's still Wallace's through from the freeway to the... Coast Highway.
2: Farmio, I know that they, um, you know, uh, pushed back the Stanford-Cal game because of the quality of air, and I know that the Rams yeah. delayed their practice. So, uh, the the impact of the air, how, I mean, how far in California does that reach?
4: Well, it goes up, there's a fire in Northern California also, Harry. There's one up there, uh, I don't know if far is from Sacramento, but it's up in that area, so they're watchful up there as well. Um, you know, they say. It's, hey, watch what comes over your property when you're having a fire. And you know what the answer is? Everything that can move is coming across your property. And it starts with uh, rodents. They all start running for safety, and I don't blame them. But uh, a lot of people lost their homes. Uh, the subdivision I live, live in, thanks to the fire department place, they don't lose anything, nothing. And, um, you know, we talk about it, or I do all the time, on Sundays when we play God Bless America. At the end of it, I say thanks, everybody, for the service in uh, the armed forces for, for this country that keeps us safe. And the appendage to that, at the end of it, I say for our police and fire departments here in Chicago and across this country, is a debt of gratitude we owe on each and every one of you people also. Thank God you protect us. No true words were ever spoke with these guys on the fire line. But it, be, it was overwhelming. You know, from the south side of Chicago, you don't see a lot of brush fires. Certainly not this magnitude ever. And um, I recanted a story a few years ago. I was going to Notre Dame. Someone said, Well, what were you thinking when you pulled out of there? I wasn't thinking about anything, either to keep my family safe. A few years ago, going to Notre Dame, there was a car, that would be 100 yards up, that flipped over. And I saw the wheels go in the air, and I pull over, or three or four other cars, or five other cars that stopped. I run up there, and I say, there's a lady that's in distress and I said, What's going on? She goes, My baby's in the back back window. My baby's in the back window. My baby's in the back seat. And she kept saying that. I said, relax, I'll go get her. So my friends were holding the car up and I crawled, kicked out the back window, crawled in with the car upside down and got her the baby. And gave her the baby and then I got back in the car and went to the USC game. And uh as we're as we're driving in the South Bend, my two friends said it was Ken Sands and Jim Michael. They said to me, that was brave. I said, brave, you guys had to hold of the car. <laughs> they go, we didn't have everything secured. Are you kidding me? The thing slid down the, down the hill into the bottom. And I go, oh, okay. So we went to the game and thought nothing of it. Same thing that happened that day. Last Friday, I didn't think anything of it just to get my family out of there. But when you look back on it, I don't know, you can make a lot of the nothing sometimes and maybe. Maybe that's what we do but we made it out thank God
1: so hold on a second here level of one to ten how scared were you that you were not gonna make it through
4: Mark I wasn't I wasn't afraid because as Harry will tell you I don't drive the speed limit
1: I'm aware <laughs>
4: <laughs> I've got cars that substantiate that so I wasn't stopping for a flame yeah but I was going through it
1: okay but it's a, okay so you know you're going 100 miles an hour down a two-lane highway.
4: No, the, the, well, from my house, it's only, uh, I'd say it's about a quarter of a mile to the freeway. Okay. Then I hit the uh, 101 freeway, and uh, that, that's where I really saw the big flames. And it was on both sides, jumped the freeway. Okay, so it's, And uh, yeah. coming back the next day, I saw the devastation. That was a different story. That was a different story.
2: When is and it? Just, when is it going to be totally out, totally safe?
4: Well, you know, there's reports here because you don't know where you're getting them. They say that the, uh, the, uh, I think it's called the Woolsey Fire is out. Uh, and I called today about Catholic Mass going in Malibu I called the Sheriff's Department. I said, uh, is this street still open? He goes, what are you crazy? No, not. <laughs> it's not open. Oh, okay, thanks. So you think I'll watch it on TV, Catholic Mass on TV. Um, go to Mass that way, but, uh, it's nice, you know, everybody concerned. Everybody who sent me a letter, everybody who texts me, uh, thanks for your concern. Definitely thanks for your prayers and great thoughts. We're all in this together. It's, um, if we can help somebody in distress, let's help them. So all I was doing was helping my wife, my daughter, get through a very diff- difficult situation.
1: So that I thought of. Were they scared? Who was the most scared, Ed?
4: No, yeah, they were upset. They yeah. were upset. Uh, yeah. The cat, the cat also. He was upset as well. One our family member. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was upset. What's the but cat's name? That, with, uh, that is Bandit. Bandit. And we took him. Yeah, he's a short-haired Persian. Bandit. You, number, you, yeah. Your cat's
2: not named like Larry Boa or Danny Ozark or something <laughs> like that.
4: He didn't have a hump in his back. It's the Ozark <laughs> and Boa my shortstop. Oh. Uh, and uh, I, I treated him badly while at Veterans Stadium. That's what he told me. Oh. I squinted on a three-two pitch. And he thought, it was looking, he thought it was multiple signs. So I was going to throw him a curveball, and I threw him a fastball down the middle. He took it for strike free. He yelled at me as I was walking in to the home dugout in Philadelphia. And he goes, you tricked me. I said, I, I didn't know I tricked you. He goes, you knew what you were doing. You squinted. I said, well, I'm not allowed to squint. i one of my dear friends. I mean, one of my close friends ever. And, yeah, I squinted on him. But he was upset. <laughs>
1: Farmio is Bandit pissed at you for staying in the house this long? Was he like, What are you doing, Papa Ed? Yeah, he looks at me like, Where'd you come from and how come you're home? Is, yeah,
2: this, is, this, is this the longest you've ever gone in your life without playing golf?
4: Yeah, probably. Probably there's well I don't play a lot when I come home, Harry. I don't uh I don't play a lot. Um uh, I'll go to one of my friends is an ex hockey player and uh He's called me a, number, a couple of times when the season was ending. Did he wear number
2: 99?
4: He did. And, um, <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's a great guy. He lives in Sherwood. So um, he had some problems battling the fire as well over there. But, yeah, just a great guy, he's a great person. I know he was a great one, but he's better person than a hockey player, and he was terrific. But then again, you're going to have one of my guys on Eddie Olchek coming
1: up. Yeah, we, we and, are. Uh, and for those not following along at home, we're talking about uh, Wayne Gretzky and Ed Farmer, our, our good buddies. It
4: didn't turn out that way, guys. It didn't it did. We, we met him on the one where our AAA team was in Edmonton, and he gave me one of those trapper's hats, you know, like uh, David Crocker wore. And I said, is this faux fur or real fur? And he goes, this is the real stuff. So I had checked out when, when he came off the trip. that didn't even register as rat. Yeah, <laughs> I walked to the health club 15 years ago, and he's in there, and I said, you lied to me. And he goes, how's that? I said, never mind. I'm going to go over and work out. So he comes over, and he goes, how do I know you? I said, uh, White Sox, uh, we came to play you guys in Edmonton, the AAA team. And Kittle was on that team. He knew Gretzky. He still does. And, and uh, yeah, that's how it worked. That's how we became friends.
1: Hey, Farmeo, before we go, you go, we're up against the clock here. But uh, Her- Harold Baines uh, to the Hall of Fame. They're, he's, he's back on the ballot. We've got, uh, he's one of ten. We had Ron Kittle on earlier today. He was trumping for Harold. In your yeah. mind, wh- why is Harold a Hall of Famer? Or why should
4: he be? He's a great ambassador for the game. He represented what baseball is all about. Came every day to play, 100%. Wasn't always 100%, but he gave you whatever was in the tank, and he was a sensational kid. I saw him when he came up, and was only 18 or 19 years old. He could play with us then. And just a super guy as well. Does everything that you would want someone to do that you're going to put in the Hall of Fame. By example, certainly on the baseball field, or the athletic field, but a person who stands tall for the things that are right and wrong, stands up for them and against them. He's just a super individual.
1: Have you, uh, you called out to uh, Bryce Harper at all? Have you talked to Manny Machado? What's going on here?
4: <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't talked to
1: those guys,
4: but I'm sure the price is going to be... If I had to, they'd probably charge me to talk to them.
1: (laughs) Farmio, great great to talk to you, as always, of course. We're we're very, very happy you survived. Don't do that again.
4: No, no, I won't light that fire ever again. For everybody, it's going to be a different Thanksgiving for the farmers.
3: God bless you all. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Thanks, Uh, Thanks, awesome. Love you, Farmio. Appreciate you,
3: brother. uh, Thank you.